What's up, guys? Max here with another episode of the Scuttlebutt Show in the brand new studio. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everyone's having a good weekend back in the United States. Happy Monday to everybody out here in Okinawa. It's uh, like we said last week, we revamped the studio. Thanks to everybody who tuned into that live stream. If there's any issues, if you guys notice anything that I missed on a live stream here, let me know. What's up to everybody in the chat? Rachel, Syfy, Earl, AO Nixo's in the chat, Christian, Chris, everybody, what's up? AO Nixo, hey, I saw your video. Last week on your bike ride, uh, thanks for repping the shirt, dude. Much appreciated, much appreciated. So, wow, it's been a crazy weekend. Uh, we did a three-hour-long live stream where I updated the studio. Thank you to everybody who tuned in for that. Everything's going good so far. Nothing's collapsed and fallen on the ground, but you never know what's going to happen on a live show, so bear with me. If, if everything starts going all crazy, then you know something's wrong with my setup in here. It's very possible, okay? It's very possible. If something happens, it's okay. We'll figure it out. There's so much to talk about. So much happened this weekend. We were talking the other night on uh, the live stream during the studio about the uh, soldiers who got poisoned. I misspoke, and I said six were killed. I was actually, in my mind, combining another story I heard about a something at a chemical, at a plant, a meatpacking plant or something like that, where some civilian workers had in, inhaled some liquid nitrogen or something like that, and they and they and they died. And so that's horrible. I combined these uh, stories together. So Justin, what's up? Justin and Rachel, two patrons, two people having birthdays within a week of each other. So happy birthday to you too. Uh, I owe you guys a due out from last week. So let me hit my really quick segment here. Oh, I blew it about yesterday. So about yesterday, by the way, when the show's on a Sunday night in the States or Monday in Okinawa, about yesterday applies to the whole weekend. Quit busting my back. Just kidding. You guys are great. So I owe you guys one thing, which is I had talked last week about the stuffed animal in the, in the pilot seat of the jet flying in the cockpit. And I told you guys about my stuffed animal, Stewie, who has been around the world with me everywhere, you know, enjoying the ride intercontinental on the ship out to sea in Iraq and Afghanistan. So here is my Stewie doll. Okay. So here it is. This guy's been with me through thick and thin all around the world, every deployment I've ever been on. It always takes a little explanation, but with, you know, long story being short, it's a good luck charm for me. I have it everywhere I go all at all times. So, you know, that's it. It's just a, a little, a little piece of um, my youth. You know, I used to love watching family guy. I had a great story about how I got into family guy, all that, but here it is. I told you guys I would have it. It's real. It exists. And this is it. We've got so much to cover today. I don't even know. There's no way we have time for all of it. I don't want to spend too much time on even an introduction. I just want to say what's up to everybody. Thank you for being in the chat. I appreciate it very much. Everyone who tuned in, I know it's Sunday night back in the States, so I appreciate you guys being here. Let's get right into the first story and let's see how this goes with the new setup here. I saw this and I thought it'd be funny to address it because there does seem to be some confusion, especially in the news when they talk about Army Rangers. And I saw it on task and purpose and I was like, might as well address it today. I thought it was interesting that the Army cannot officially say who is an Army Ranger, who is and isn't, because you, I recently heard this in the news, some congressman claiming to be an army ranger, and they're like, well, he wasn't a ranger, he just went to ranger school. You know, the army doesn't actually have a doctrine on who can call themselves a ranger. So just to clear up any confusion, there are army rangers like the 75th Ranger Regiment, who's technically special operations, and then there is ranger school, and anybody can go to ranger school. You go to ranger school, you could be an administrator, you could be an aviation person, it could be anything. You go to ranger school, you, you go back to your command, and you're looked at as a leader. You go to ranger school, you get that ranger training, you're a leader when you get back to your command, okay? So the U.S. Army Rangers, they are a great organization with a very, very distinguished history and all kinds of uh, conflicts. And there's been a lot of talk, you know, 
especially, you know, female graduating ranger school was a big one a couple of years ago. Congressman claiming to be a ranger. So who is a ranger and who isn't a ranger? So there is no official U.S. Army policy regarding the use of the term ranger, said Lieutenant Colonel Gabriel Ramirez, a spokesman with the Army's Office of the Chief of Public Affairs. The designation ranger has been associated with soldiers who either graduated from ranger school or are assigned to the 75th Ranger Regiment. So in military circles, particularly among Army veterans, there's an ongoing and often contentious debate over who can officially call themselves a Ranger. Does the title belong solely to those who served in the 75th, a special operations unit that falls under the purview of the U.S. Army Special Operations Command, or is it shared by graduates of the U.S. Army Ranger School at Fort Benning, Georgia? So Justin asks, what's that called, being tabbed versus being 75th? Usually people will say that they're tabbed, but a lot of times people will say that they're tabbed and they're talking about special forces too. So if you've ever seen on the left shoulder here, the army wears tabs. You can be ranger, airborne, special forces, special forces being known as the long tab because it literally says special forces on it. And you can have all these different tabs. So you're tabbed. You can be a sapper. Sapper is another tab that the army gets. So then there's the 75th and that's ranger regiment or ranger battalion. So you can go into, and then, so good comment by Syphy here, the scrolled. So the Ranger Battalion uh, tab actually looks different. It looks like a scroll. So the uh, the debate gets heated, and I'm not going to say, you know, which I think is which or what I think is appropriate down here. They say the debate around Cotton, who is the uh, congressman, his status centers on the fact that while he graduated Ranger School, often being called Ranger Tabbed or Ranger Qualified, he did not serve in the Army 75th Ranger Regiment. So... The, you know, these terms can go along, you know, a, a lot of different lines here, but I think basically effectively what it comes down to is intent. Okay. So here's what I, my, my position on this. And what I'm going to tell you guys is you, we can argue about it in the chat. And I want to hear what you guys think. So Syphy says, usually people distinguish it by scroll is going for RASP and Ranger Assessment and Selection Program and TAB is for Ranger School. So you do earn that TAB and you go back to your, whatever your command is. So you can be a helicopter mechanic, you can be an infantryman, you can be, you know, whatever, a motor T type person, but you can get that Ranger TAB and then be a leader. Now, it, interestingly, and I don't know if you guys know this, other branches can go to Ranger School too. So you can be in the Navy and go to Ranger School. You can be in the Marines or the Air Force and go to Ranger School. So you can get that Ranger tab even in other branches, but you you wouldn't go to Ranger Battalion as somebody else. And you might go work with them, especially within special operations. There's a lot of intermingling and anything can happen. There's literally no restrictions on who can work with who. This stuff happens all the time in real life. But it's, and to answer Syphy, your question, I'm assuming you're asking about how often do people from other branches go to ranger school. It happens all the time. I bet every ranger class is somebody from another branch. It is very, very common, very common. So there's a, there's definitely a, a, a big mix of people going to different schools. In fact, I don't know if you guys know this, but even BUDS, even SEAL training takes people from other branches. For like phase two, for dive training, sometimes you get guys from the Air Force going to phase two of buds for their, for their dive stuff. So AO Nixo going to jump school. That's awesome, dude. When are you going to jump school? That's badass. So which MOSs usually go? So in the Navy SEALs can go to Ranger school. SWIC can go to Ranger school. CBs in the Air Force. It can be CCTs, TACPs, stuff like that. Generally it's, it's somebody in kind of a combat MOS, so to speak, you know, MOS, I'm using that term broadly for the Navy. We don't use that term. We use NECs, but in combat jobs or expeditionary jobs where you would go boots on ground or something like that. Now, 
I'm happy to talk more about that. We've got so many stories to get to today, guys. I'll answer. I'll try to answer as many questions as I can in the chat. I feel like I probably already missed some, and I do apologize. The chat's blowing up today, which I love. If you guys haven't already subscribed to this channel, make sure you do that. Check out the links in the description for a way to support the channel, including Patreon. If you become an elite patron for $10 a month on your second month, you're going to get a free custom t-shirt from uh, patron support, and we're starting to post stuff up there. So any questions about any of that, uh, Feel free to hit me up in the chat and there's a donation button down there too for anybody who is interested in that. We got a couple donations last week and my mind was literally blown from the uh, support that the channel is getting. So thank you guys so much. So let's get to the next story here, which is uh, kind of a fun one. And I was a little uh, taken aback by this one. So the headline, U.S. Navy officials used position to sell private information of 9,000 plus plus people for cryptocurrency. You know, everyone thinks they're so safe with crypto. Everyone thinks nothing, if you use crypto, nothing bad can happen. It's, it's, it's the perfect crime, but it's really not. So it says two married, now former members of the U.S. Navy have been arrested and charged with conspiring to use their positions to access private information for thousands of people, which they allegedly sold to third parties on the dark web, according to court records. I don't even, you guys know you didn't even get on the dark web. I've never seen the dark web. I have seen videos on like how to access it, but I, I don't even know. I don't even remember what I saw. I have no interest in going on the dark web. My computer doesn't need that kind of problems. When the ill-gotten gains began to dry up, the couple allegedly tried a second, more daring scheme, going as far as to forge a letter from the commander of a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier. Marquise Hooper and his wife, Natasha Chalk, were charged Thursday with conspiracy to commit wire fraud and aggravated identity theft, both federal offenses. Hooper, who served from 2008 to 2018, worked as an information security manager. I'm think, I think they mean IT on the Navy's 7th Fleet in Japan. The complaint alleges that in 2018, Hooper used his position to access the database for a business which is referred to only as Company One. How badass is that? We're, we've, we're, uh, we're subpoenaing Company One. Company One for the evidence record, please. I don't know what I'm talking about. Using the database, he and Chalk, a reservist assigned to Naval Air Station Lemoore, allegedly ran thousands of database searches for people's private information, ignoring warnings that the database was for government purposes only. Probably the same warning that you see if you ever log into like e-benefits or Navy knowledge online, you, you're prompted with that screen. I acknowledge the terms of use and it says this had, or your, or your electronic service record is a big one. You're the person who's authorized for this. Nobody else is going on this. It's all you. So we do that. You know, you acknowledge that it's kind of like the terms of use for iTunes or something like that. Hooper and Chalk received a digital currency worth at least $160,000. That's how much my condo in San Diego cost. From third parties in exchange for reports and other information from the database on thousands of individuals, the complaint alleges, later adding that they also used the information to attempt to access victims' bank accounts. After company number one stopped making the database available to them, the couple allegedly forged a letter purporting to be from the commanding officer of the USS George Washington to regain database access. And that worked? I'm shocked. The charging records contain a forfeiture allegation through which the government will attempt to seize any property derived from proceeds traceable to the alleged fraud. Wow, they're in huge trouble, you guys. They are in huge, massive trouble. But you know what? It's nothing compared to the data breach of OPM, the Office of Personnel Management, a few years ago, where literally everybody with a security clearance got hacked. And we got like a year's worth of free identity theft protection or whatever. That was probably the worst hack in existence. So if you were in the Navy in 2015 or had a security clearance in 2015, every bit of information about your entire life is already out there on the dark web. So don't even worry about getting hacked again. Just worry about 2016 forward. That's the only time that you have to worry about. So much chat to catch up on here. So what do you guys think about that story? That is insane. So what did I miss here? Buds? Yep. So let me catch up. Regal. Regal, what's up? Welcome to the chat. I'm glad to see you. 
Justin says you need a Tor server to go to dark web. Okay, so is that different from any VPN? Because I use a VPN out here in Okinawa. I, I don't want to get on the dark web. I have no interest. I'm never going to try. So, I, you know, thank you guys. I probably shouldn't have even asked. I'm definitely not going to get on there. So the dark web is not hard to access. Just need some specific prerequisites. Oh, Armor, what's up? How's it going? Welcome to the chat. Syfy, it's one of those things you don't want to know. I don't want to know. Syfy, just stay off it. Especially, it, there's, no, there's nothing good that can come out of it. Nothing good about having an IP of yours traced back to the dark web. So Armour says, not totally safe, but as long as you're careful, you'll be fine. Justin says, bro, I'm telling you that crypto was created by the CIA. They convince people it's the safe, secret way of doing bad stuff. All the while, agency is watching and shooting fish in a barrel. Do you know, that's funny that you say that, Justin, because that's, that's exactly what I tell all my buddies who got those like sh illegal streaming apps. There was one, I can't remember what it was, but there was an app people had on their phone, they had on their computer. This would have been around 2016, 2017, where they were streaming brand new in-theater movies from this app. They didn't even have to download it first. It was just streaming like Netflix. And I was like, you guys realize that's like the CIA made that, right? Like obviously... If, if it's not getting shut down, then it's getting watched. I mean, I don't know that for sure, but that's what my that's what my instinct tells me. My intuition tells me if something like that's not getting shut down, it's probably getting surveilled. So if you're on there, they're probably watching everything that's going on. They're probably seeing who where these like piracy claims originate from. And that's what I think. I just think everyone, please be more careful. And don't, don't assume that a VPN makes you safe either, it does not make you completely safe. A VPN does not make you completely safe. If you're doing really shady stuff, they're going to find you. Anyway, anyway, back to what we're doing. So, Syphy says there's this app called Watched that's basically like that. I mean, how obvious does a CIA have to make it, bro? They called the app Watched. <laughs> Are you going to download an app called Watched? <laughs> I would not be putting that on my phone, by the way. Uh, but you know, you guys do whatever you want to do. That's up to you. Um, so I've got this, I don't even know where to, there's so much today. You guys, there's so much today. I just saw this story. I thought it was interesting. It's one of the ones that came across my email today. NOPD, I think that's New Orleans officer and detective among seven indicted for stealing from the U S army. So New Orleans, New Orleans police department officer and a detective with the department were indicted along with five others for stealing more than $100,000 from the U.S. Army, according to a news release. Chantel Davis, an NOPD detective, and NOPD officer Linnea Sanders are accused of stealing from the Army by claiming reimbursement for the performance of military funeral honor ceremonies that never happened. So this looks like travel travel card fraud, basically using your, your DTS or your defense travel system account to probably claim you traveled places, took flights, drove miles, whatever it is, and then stayed in hotels and didn't actually do that. We take allegations of this nature very seriously, NOPD said. We cannot allow the dishonest action these officers are accused of to jeopardize the trust our citizens have in this department. So this is really about stealing from the from the defense travel funds, basically. National Defense Authorization of Act 2000 authorizes military funeral honors for active duty soldiers, retirees, and veterans. At a family's request, eligible persons can receive military funeral honors, including the folding of presenting of the U.S. flag and paying of playing of taps, according to a news release issued by the United States Attorney's Office. According to the indictment, Christopher O'Connor, a former Army pay technician, submitted fraudulent reimbursement requests for military funeral honors that O'Connor, Davis, Sanders, Lee, Leary, Daniels, Derek Branch, Cody Francis, and Terrence Howard, uh, shares a name with a big celebrity, allegedly performed but had not. So the... 
the individual amounts are here ranging from 22000 to as little as $8,000. All seven of these are former Army reservists, and they all live in New Orleans now, so they, uh, we're obviously in it together. They took a little over $100,000, and they'll probably get busted, probably have to pay that back, and probably do some jail time maybe. So that's a bummer. You can't be out there doing a uh, travel fraud. It's one of the things that they look at pretty hard. You have to make sure you're being legit with your uh, travel. It was always very, when I traveled, whew, geez, you guys, I was traveling 300 days a year at the peak of my Navy service in uh, around 2013, 2012. And that's not even including deployments. So keeping track of those receipts, making sure you're on the up and up. That's all very important. There was stuff that I wouldn't even claim. Like you could claim miles that you drove to the airport. So from my or a taxi. So if I took a lift or a taxi from my house to the airport to go fly for a trip, I could claim those expenses. I never even did it. I never even claimed that. I just I just took the hit because I didn't want to have to go back and face any scrutiny over my travel claims because they're already so complicated. It's easy to make a mistake. I wanted to be legit and on the up and up. So I just ate the cost out of my per diem with some of that stuff. People go in there and they claim every little thing and they have to be on their P's and Q's because you could get audited at any time and I wasn't really interested in that. Let me try to catch up on the chat here real quick. So, Armour says, sounds too good to be true, it usually isn't. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually isn't. Do you, do you really think that about this kind of streaming stuff? So, let's see, you guys still talking about streaming for a little while. That's why I think Twitter doesn't delete certain accounts because agencies enjoy having access to their info. Sure, why would you want to get rid of your best informant? You know, if your best informant's on Twitter... We're on a popular app and you just keep them there. That's what I think. Bro, I got stuck in Jack's with my card turned off because my admin messed up. Oh, yeah. So you don't want to get stuck on travel with a travel card. It gets deleted or expires or something like that. Then you got to be on the phone with Sato and your command for, I don't know, what, days? Meanwhile, the hotel's going to kick you out because your card's getting declined and they don't want to really have to deal with that stuff unless you have a really good relationship with them. It turns into a whole, a whole thing, a whole darn thing. Now, it's covid right? We're in a generation of COVID. All kind of weird stuff is happening. One of those things, Jax is Jacksonville, by the way, if anybody's wondering. So COVID has led to one interesting thing that I've had to watch so many people around me go through. Homeschooling, right? Homeschooling, I've seen my friends with kids have to finally put their money where their mouth is and see if that math education that they got in third, fourth, fifth grade, if they really retain that stuff. And they study like they told their kids to. Because they were at home having to learn Common Core and earth science and social studies and all this stuff and name the capitals of all 50 states. Good luck with that. So it affected everybody. It affected everybody. It affected high school, elementary school, kids warning, kindergarten, and it affected colleges too. And it didn't just affect public colleges and private colleges. It affected military academies as well. So this story is out of the Air Force Academy. Hundreds, hundreds of Air Force Academy cadets. I don't even know how many are in a class. How many Air Force Academy Students are even in one class. Hundreds of Air Force Academy cadets suspected of cheating during online learning last spring. Look at them throwing their hats up to those jets. They're never going to reach the jets. If you're watching on YouTube, if you listen on the podcast, you probably did not catch that joke. Just like those jets did not catch those hats. The Air Force Academy is reviewing its honor code in the wake of suspicion that hundreds of cadets cheated last spring after being sent home for online learning at the height of the pandemic. Now, it's funny here that they say they're they're reviewing the honor code. Like, are they going to relax the honor code? Like, some cheating's okay. Some cheating's okay under these circumstances. Two of the nearly 250 cadets suspected are, are no longer at the academy. Holy cow. 
What does that mean? That they got kicked out? 250 cadets kicked out of the Air Force Academy? Most of the remainder have admitted to cheating and are on six months of probation and remediation. Okay, so some are going to get to stay. How many is the remainder? On Friday, the Academy announced, I mean, if enough people do it, if enough people do it, they can't kick everybody out. I, I guess, you know, they could. They could put their money where their mouth is. They could kick everybody out. But they're, they're going to lose a year's worth of commissioned officers. And then what are they going to do? Recruit from off the street? So on Friday, the Academy announced a review as well as the alleged infractions, which were discovered through faculty academic safeguards. Those infractions ranged from failing to properly cite sources. Lame. Who cares? And using unauthorized tutoring websites. Have you guys, do you guys know what, for, for my people out there in the chat, who are still in school, or for my military folks who are in school. Do you know what Symbo Labs is? Have you heard of S-Y-M-B-O-L-A-B-S? This, this Symbo Lab, I'm about to, if you're a student, I don't know if I should even tell you this, but I've already said the name, so I, I, I'm, I'm done now. I got to say it now. Symbo Labs, for, let me back up for just a split second here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, if this news is going to change how you do math, Smash the like button, share the video, subscribe, become a patron. Symbo Labs is you put in any math problem. I'm talking quadratics, parabolas, you name it, okay? The little E symbol with the numbers on all four sides, okay? Statistics, probability, you put it in there, Symbo Labs spits out the answer and it's free. You can literally take a picture of a math problem with your phone and it spits you out the answer with the work, with the work. So if you have to show work, you're good. I don't know anybody who's not cheating in college. I don't I mean, all my buddies who are going to school, post-Navy, active duty, they're all cheating on school. So, you know, go ahead and, you know, say what you will about it, but it's very, very common. So you put people at home, you send them home, what do you think's going to happen? So the honor code is not only foundational to the Air Force Academy, but it serves as a guide for cadets to live an honorable life, whether serving in uniform or not. That's from Lieutenant General Richard Clark, the superintendent of the academy. Honor serves as one of my fundamental institutional priorities for developing leaders of character. The alleged violations occurred after officials sent approximately 3,000 of the school's 4,000 cadets home in March in the wake of the novel coronavirus pandemic, transitioning them from in-person to virtual learning. All alleged cheating cases involve freshmen, sophomores, and juniors. So no seniors. Interesting. I wonder if senior year is really easy at the academy. Remediation is a consequence and not an act of leniency. If earned, remediation provides an opportunity to reset the moral compass and deepen a cadet's understanding of and respect for the honor code. From what I've heard about the military academies, all you have to do is reset their liberty policy, and that's probably a good remediation. I've heard that, you know, being a year one cadet is the worst liberty policy. Like, you have no life whatsoever. So maybe it'll just do that. So they're going to let them do that. But, you know, I had some thoughts on this. So that's, that's you know, sums up the story there. Some people are going to get kicked out. Some are going to get to stay. Always make sure I'm looking at the right camera. And some will, you know, remediate whatever the remediation is. Now, here's what I'll say. This whole thing about sources, you know, it said in there approved sources or whatever. If people gang up to take the final exam together, first of all, that's a dumb way to do it. You're going to get caught. That You learn that in third grade, okay? If a bunch of people all get the same answers right and the same answers wrong and their work all looks the same, you're going to get caught, okay? Let me try to catch up on the chat here. So the Air Force are going to be understaffed or undermanned. I doubt it. They're going to figure it out. I mean, the Air Force nuclear officers got in trouble for this and started fresh. So did the Navy ones. Remember that, Justin? The Navy nukes too. 
Brainly is a big, easy cheat website. So you guys all know about this. Photomath, yep, Justin, Photomath. Uh, that promo made me laugh so hard. Well, my promo, I, honestly, I don't know anyone who hasn't cheated in school. What happened to the honor? Sifi's <laughs> laughing. It is easier now to just whip out your phone while taking an online test and Google the answer. Yep. So look, that's what, so that's what I'm going to address here really quick. What it, What is cheat? We need to rethink these things about sources and resources and where what you can cite and what you can't cite. Honestly, like it's, it's modern times, right? This whole thing, there was a lot of drama when I was, you know, getting out of school about the internet and using Google. And I know a lot of people who had drama using Wikipedia. They're like, I can't use Wikipedia, you know, but you know, all the information's on there. I think it's time to take a hard look about how we kind of criticize what sources people are using. If you can do math, what I mean is I'm not saying history and current events and all this stuff should just anything goes, you can go on to like any website and get anybody's opinion and you can cite Twitter or whatever. But if there's a math app out there that can help you solve an equation, why can't you use it? If you're an app, if you're going to school for business, right? And you have a, a probability problem, why do you have to memorize the formula and show all the work if there's all these online resources? The internet is not going anywhere. It's only going to grow bigger. These things are going to become more accessible. Everything's going to get, all math is going to get automated. The formula is not going to change. So maybe we should be a little bit more lenient on what some people use. I don't know. Now I'm talking about academics and I got no business doing that. Let's see, what time is it? 11.25, so much to talk about. So much to talk about. We got our big stories coming up. I'm already going to close one window here and save that for another day. Max for superintendent, hashtag and make it a thing. Maybe, maybe one day. Now, so there's something going on in the world. There's something going on in Afghanistan. And it comes down to Joe Biden to save the day, maybe. So this article is, Biden faces backlash to secure the release of a United States man in Afghanistan. So the story is, you know, the Biden administration considers whether it should pull remaining U.S. troops out of Afghanistan in the coming months. But some fear that the fate of an American who could be left behind, an abducted contractor believed to be held by Taliban Lake Militant Group, I didn't even know about, I've never even heard about this. I feel like I should have heard about this, but I didn't. On the one-year anniversary of Mark Frere, here we go, name one, name one of the me not knowing how to pronounce names event of the day, Mark Frerich's abduction, I'm just calling Mark from now on, family members and other supporters are urging the Biden administration not to withdraw additional troops without the Navy veteran being released from captivity. Mark was abducted one year ago Sunday while working in the country, so one year today. In the country on engineering projects, U.S. officials believe he's in the custody of the Haqqani Network, though the Taliban have not publicly acknowledged holding him. We are confident that he's still alive and well, his sister Charlene Kakora said in an interview with the AP. We don't have any thinking that he's dead or that he's injured. Interesting. I wonder if they've been sending proof of life. So one common thing, would be, they would be send proof of life, like a newspaper or a website that's up to date from that day, along with a picture of him or a video of him talking. They have a little picture of him up in Afghanistan next to a sign about where photography is prohibited and he's taking a picture. So that's probably not the picture he wants representing him. <laughs> For U.S. diplomats, Mark's captivity is a piece of a much larger geopolitical puzzle that aims to balance bringing troops home. After a two-decade conflict with ensuring regional peace and stability, Biden administration officials have made clear that they are reviewing a February 2020 peace deal between the United States and the Taliban. If you guys remember, they signed that peace deal a year ago and the, and the ceasefire, which has been met with a lot of people breaking it. The Taliban have been breaking it and the U.S. have been responding or the U.S. have been 
breaking the peace deal to protect Afghani police officers and military from attacks from the Taliban. But this guy's been captured now for a year, and I haven't even heard about it. And we've been re- we just covered last week a giant release of uh, Taliban prisoners back into the wild and back into the fight, and he is still not released. So the Trump administration, which had made the release of hostages and detainees a priority, ended without having brought home Mark, who is from Lombard, Lombard, Illinois. He is one of several Americans the Biden administration is inheriting responsibility for, including journalist Austin Tice, who went missing in Syria in 2012, as well as U.S. Marine Trevor Reed and Michigan corporate executive Paul Whelan, both of whom are in prison in Russia. I'm not sure what the deal is with that. I do remember about the Marine who was said to be visiting his wife's family. I haven't heard of this executive but they were in prison in Russia. Austin Tice, who went missing in Syria. I don't know if they have any information on his well-being. It is unclear to what extent at all Mark's fate will be complicated by the declining American military presence in Afghanistan, but we can't leave him behind. They just did a rescue. The Navy SEALs just did a rescue in Africa of a doctor who was captured, an American doctor. Maybe somebody will be able to go rescue this gentleman, Mark, from the Haqqani Network in Afghanistan. Hopefully he's still in Afghanistan. It would be common for them to flee to Pakistan. Maybe he's in Pakistan now at this point. New Secretary of State Antony Blinken held his first call Thursday with President Ashraf Ghani and told him the administration was reviewing the peace deal. The State Department description of the conversation did not mention Mark. Separately, the Pentagon said the Taliban's refusal to meet commitments to reduce violence in Afghanistan is raising questions about whether all U.S. troops will be able to leave by May. I called it on the day of the peace deal. I covered the peace deal when it happened, and I said there's no way the Taliban's going to be able to keep that peace deal because they don't even have good communications within their own network. So how would they be able to keep a ceasefire going? It does go on to say in this article that the United States is keeping the American diplomat to Afghanistan concurrent from the Trump administration to the Biden administration for continuity dealing with this issue. And I do hope that we see him brought back. American citizen Mark Verich has spent a year in captivity. We will not stop working until we secure his safe return home, said State Department spokesman Ned Price. What do you guys think? What, what do you think about? Here's my question to you guys. So now we know about this person. Now we can cover the story and follow up with it. What do you think about people who travel overseas as civilians to participate in foreign conflicts? What is the United States' role in maintaining their well-being? Now, he was a contractor, so he, w- he was hired by a company to go over there. I'm sure he was making a lot of money. That's why they call it the blood money. They call it that contract blood money because they get you to go overseas into dangerous places where you do accept some risk. So what about people who go over there to fight ISIS? What about people who go over there to be with Doctors Without Borders and uh, a civilian organization of doctors who go overseas to provide care for people in war-torn countries and third world countries? What is the United States' responsibility in bringing this person home? I'd like to hear in the comments. I would like to see him brought home. I would like to see all Americans who are in captivity returned home to at least face, if they were doing something wrong, I would like to at least see them face responsibility for their actions in the United States. Just like Bo Bergdahl, I used to advocate for Bo Bergdahl to be brought home. That's because I thought he deserved his day to be heard in the United, in the United States court. But And then we know what happened. He, he was in the wrong, right? And Americans died out there and were wounded and had their lives changed forever permanently by looking for him. But I thought he deserved to be brought home and at least face the United States' as, you know, criminal justice, UCMJ, code of mil, you know, have their code of conduct reviewed to see what happened with them. That's what I think. So Justin says, I mean, at a job that requires math, you're going to use a calculator. And to me, it's just like you have to have the pub out when doing maintenance. Yeah. You know, you should be able to use all your resources talking about the academic stuff. Saifi says one year in capture. Yep. People spend a lot longer than one year. Look at Vietnam veterans who spent years in, in detention centers in, in prisoner war camps. Regal says no responsibility. Well, it's interesting. Maybe, 
maybe. It depends where what, how he got captured. I, I do wonder the circumstances of his capture. Was he on base or was he off base? Was it in the performance of his duties or was he was it a failure of someone to protect him? Was it a failure of the United States to protect him? I do think he should be brought home. We helped out some people who were Peace Corps on one deployment. Why not others? You know, it does seem it, it does seem like, you know, we do we're quick to rescue some people and we are slow to rescue others. A lot of that comes down to how much of a threat we believe that they're under. It sounds like if the if it's a negotiation between whoever took them in the United States and they want prisoners released or, and the person seems to know imminent harm. But just like with Kayla Mueller and the other gentleman, I think Eric maybe, uh, that she was being held with in Syria by ISIS, they tried to rescue her when they believed she was in imminent danger, but they missed it by less than 24 hours and she was ultimately killed in a U.S. airstrike. But she was kept under horrible, torturous conditions and the United States made an attempt to rescue her, but she was not rescued. So I think it comes down to what the perceived threat that they're under is, the risk to the American forces if they do try to do this operation, the intelligence that goes into how positive we are that we know where that person's at, and I'm sure many other factors as well. Armour says, modern day mercenary is outside U.S. activity, just like Russia's third group, unless it is like humanitarian aid or something similar might provoke inheritance, interference, or action. So, you know, one thing is, People go overseas to service contractors in many capacities. They could be working at the gym. They could be working at the dining facility. They could be working as medical professionals. They could be working building facilities, something like that. Electricians. They could be installing satellites. They're technical experts. They're taking a massive risk by going over there. And I don't think that anybody guarantees them that America will ever have their back if they get captured or somehow, you know, caught outside the wire. They go over there unarmed. I do think they should be protected. I do think efforts should be made to safeguard them and bring them home, but they also accept a huge amount of risk. So I certainly would not, you know, downplay their, their, uh, how much they add. Like I've relied on civilian contractors in Afghanistan to help install satellites for communications, complex technical systems that get sent out to us that we just couldn't do. There's just no way we could do it. You have to have a, a very, very highly trained technical expert out there to set up these systems and we couldn't do it and we rely on them to get our mission done. So they come out, they're civilians and it's up to, it was, I, I considered it part of our responsibility to make sure that they're well taken care of, that they're fed, that they're housed, that they're safe, that they know where to go. If we start taking IDF, something like that, that they're mustered for all that kind of stuff that they're, you know, roll call accountability, muster, muster is the Navy term for it. Rachel says, I have a cousin, Cuban native who was a doctor working in Venezuela and was kept in captivity in Venezuela on suspension of escaping. She successfully escaped from Cuban authorities years later, and she's safe in the States. Wow. Well, good for her. I'm glad that she's safe. That is, that's crazy. There's so much of, you know, of that in South America as well, especially with, in, involving Cuba, right? So there is a lot of that government captivity. A lot of people are kept in government captivity. The Navy has a whole suspicious suspi suspicion of escaping. That's kind of what I thought you meant. There's a whole course of SEER, Survival of Asian Resistance Escape, that's dedicated to non-wartime uh, captivity. Natalia, what's up? Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for stopping by to say hi. Make sure you uh, share the video. I'd really appreciate that. Hit that subscribe button, like the video. Welcome. Thank you for complimenting the setup. It's actually our first day with a brand new setup. So we got the, uh, I'll give you, if you're only here for a little while, I'll give you the two camera angles that we got going on. So, all right, it's 1135. We're cruising. We're making good pace. I think we'll get at least through our main stories for today, which are the ones I put in the, the uh, article you know, head, headline here. So let's talk about this first one, which is 
Space Force. I did add Space Force to my Google alerts on the advice of Justin. Thank you for that tip. The Space Force announces new rank names for the Guardians. The Guardians of the Galaxy. So they came out with their ranks. There was a lot of talk on what their ranks might be. Would they go with Navy ranks? Would they go with their own ranks? Spaceman? Spacewoman? Space Force has decided on the names for its ranks, and while officers will keep the same names that they have in the Air Force, several enlisted ranks have changed according to a memorandum released Friday. The service-wide memo is the most recent change for Space Force personnel after it was announced in December that they would be referred to as Guardians. The rank changes will start February 1st. For the junior enlisted, E1 to E4, they will no longer be airmen, but specialists. And depending on what their grade is, the rank will include numbers 1 through 4. So that would be an E3 would be Specialist 3 or SPC3 or Spec 3 or Specialist 3, whatever you want to call them. And then you have Specialist 1, Specialist 2, 3, and 4. Guardians, who are E5s, will no longer be Staff Sergeant, which was the Air Force's standard, but Sergeant. And grades E639 will be Tech Sergeant, Master Sergeant, Senior Master Sergeant, and Chief Master Sergeant, which is a direct copy from the Air Force. That's exactly how the Air Force does it. The most senior enlisted guardian will now be, it's just too, it's too much. It's too much to say. Every time I say it, I feel like I'm making a joke. The most senior enlisted guardian. Ah, it's great. It's so great. I love it. I'm so glad they went with guardians. How amazing is that? The senior enlisted guardian will now be the chief master sergeant of the Space Force, according to a memo, all other ranks from second lieutenant to general remain the same. Now, some people are freaking out over to specialist one through four. And one of those people is our favorite YouTuber over here, Nikki MGTV. So let's watch him freak out about this for a second. Let me know down in the comments below. There's a lot of people that find this hilarious, the difference in ranks that have now developed for the Space Force. Dan Wenis says, how much you want to bet that some effing tool E4 is going to demand E1 to E3 addresses them as Specialist 4? 100% that's going to be the case. Like, this is my rank. I'm a Specialist, but I'm a 4 and you're a 3. So, you have to do what I say. Danny. All right, so I'm not as big a crybaby as Nikki MGTV is out there. But what I will say about it is my initial reaction to Specialist 1 through 4 was a little bit critical. I was like, what a dumb, what a dumb and lazy, you know, cop out of a rank. Specialist 1, 2, 3, and 4. They could have gone with Space Walker, Space Cadet, Spaceman. But they did say they didn't want to do any gender-based or diminutive Role, so they left out everything like junior or petty officer, and they left out anything male like airmen or firemen, hospitalmen, like the Navy uses, for example, infantrymen. It's, I don't know, I don't really think that that is um, necessary. They're obviously trying to be very progressive up there in space. I think it's borderline a little jump in the shark, if you ask me. But hey, whatever, it's the, it's their force, it's the Space Force, they're the Guardians, so they can do whatever they want. E1 to E4, let's address really quick E1 to E4 military members and what that, what, what does that mean? What's an E1 to E4 military member really responsible for? Like I said the other day, an E1 to E3, do these three things, show up on time, look good in uniform, do what you're told, you'll be successful. E4s, generally in the Navy, don't have a lot of supervisory responsibility. What an E4 in the Navy really is, is somebody who's proven that they have some technical ability. You start to get some authorization to do some work, okay? You might sign off on some higher level jobs. You might have a little bit more responsibility in your day-to-day. But to say that an E4 is like the boss of an E3 in the Navy is stretching it a little bit. Technically, yes. In, in, in 
in practicality, in operations, not so much. It is, you're still pretty junior. It really starts at E5. That's why in the Army, Air Force, and Marines, E5 is where you become that NCO, that non-commissioned officer. You start to get those bigger responsibilities, take charge. Now, in the Marine Corps, interestingly, E3s actually are in charge of E2s and E1s. They could be on a on a, on a fire, fire team. You could have an E3 in charge of an E2, E1. But, and they take that stuff pretty seriously. Like, yes, Lance Corporal. And if you make corporal or specialist in the army, then you do have something. You do have a little bit of responsibility. I've seen 20-year specialists in the army, you know? So it's it's kind of it's kind of iffy, whatever, you know? But you become that NCO, that non-commissioned officer at E5. That's when you really start to get responsibility. In the army, what they do is they have two ranks for E4. They have specialist and corporal. So if you're a specialist... You're somebody who's technically proficient. You have a little bit of authority. You might be in charge of a small squad or whatever you're in charge of. But if you're a corporal, that's they're saying like, this person should be an E5, but we're just not going to promote him or pay him anymore. We're just going to give him some more responsibility like an E5, make that person a corporal, give him more work to do, less money for it, less actual responsibility, less pay grade. We'll still bust, we won't hesitate to bust him down to E3, maybe E2, but we do want him to do more work, be in charge of more people. So maybe the, uh, maybe the, the, uh, the, the space force will be, you know, kind of E1 to E4 is like a junior, junior enlisted E5. You start to get a little bit of responsibility. E6, that's, you know, you get that tech sergeant. You're supposed to be a boss. You're supposed to be a supervisor. You kind of get out of the day-to-day work, which is interesting that they call it technical sergeant. They did say that they might expand the tech sergeant role to tech sergeant one, two, three, and four. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds like a good way to get people to do more work, more work with less pay, if you ask me, which is always kind of a bummer in the military, but they do do that all the time. So just, so Armour says, when do you think America will fall from the top military power and how will it change America's sense of self? I don't think that'll ever happen. The reason I don't think that'll ever happen is because just like in World War II, right? America wasn't necessarily the strongest force in every way. Germans had better engineered equipment. Um, Japanese had very fierce fighters who fought, you know, with honor for country to the death on suicide missions. But America had purpose. You know, they had belief in democracy and, and belief in country and belief of being on the right side. And since then, we've developed so far technologically that it's hard to believe. If you just look at aircraft, I always go back to aircraft carriers as the example. If you look at aircraft carriers and how far ahead aircraft carriers are from other countries that have aircraft carriers and what their technology is, it's hard to imagine a time when America would not be the world's leading military superpower. Even if we're not leading in personnel, not leading in people, I believe we're leading in capabilities and I believe that we're leading in, in honor, in honor and, and sense of mission and dedication to duty and things like that. And for that reason, I don't think that we'll ever fall from the top spot unless something changes that I don't see coming in the future. Why not Padawan for Space Force? I second, Rachel seconds on Padawan, third. Okay, so Padawan, let's do it. They, I think that that would be good, call them Padawans. I think that's really good. I hope that somebody out there in the Space Force is doing that. The Space Force certainly seems like the nerdiest branch so far. It's like everybody in the Space Force is like a nuke in the Navy, it seems like. So RIP to the E4 Mafia from AO Nixo fanboy. Yeah, you know, maybe. That's uh, definitely seems like there's going to be no E4 love for the Space Force there. Now, we got a couple more stories to get to. I want to get to this one really quick, which I started covering the other night in a live stream for the studio, which is <sighs> out of control, you guys. The 
army is out of control. 11 Fort Bliss soldiers injured during training after possibly drinking antifreeze. <laughs> now, I've read a bunch of articles on this, and I decided to go with task and purposes because we always go with task and purpose. I like the way that they write their articles. But a lot of the information, and they have the most kind of covering all the wave tops of all the good information that I've found on this thing. So 11 Fort Bliss soldiers fell ill on Thursday after they ingested an unknown, ingested an unknown substance during a field training exercise that officials believe was antifreeze. So it comes up, comes out that the army had soldiers who were super sick out in the field doing an FTX. And then we got more information on what it was. But it's funny because one of the first things that the army said was, we do not believe it's related to MREs. That was one of the first public statements they made, which I thought was so funny. My, our MREs are just what a, the butt of all good army jokes. Two of soldiers, two of the soldiers, are, I, I do hope that these guys are okay. Two of the soldiers are in critical condition, according to a press release from the 1st Armored Division. Uh, the group of 11 included one warrant officer, two NCOs, eight enlisted soldiers. According to a separate release on Friday, officials, officials suspect the soldiers drank the substance, believing it was alcohol, which I don't know. You know, they do say it tastes sweet and smells good and can look like alcohol, but if it's in a bottle called antifreeze, you probably shouldn't drink it, you guys. The soldiers felt ill after consuming a substance acquired outside of authorized food supply distribution channels. Lab results have indication of toxic substance that is commonly referred to as antifreeze. That's from Lieutenant Colonel Allie Payne, who now I'm certain we've said her name multiple times when we're talking about the Army. The incident occurred on the last day of a 10-day field X. The soldiers, all with 11th Air Artillery Brigade, are receiving care at the William Beaumont Army Medical Center, and leaders are in constant contact with their families. Major General Sean Bernabe Senior Mission Commander of 1st Armored Division, Fort Bliss, said the command took immediate action to treat everyone involved with the best medical care available. Our leaders are engaged at every level to provide guidance, information, and care for their teammates. Our commitment to our soldiers and families remains our number one priority as we work to understand what occurred on January 28th. And I'm sure we'll get more information out there as this goes, but I can't believe that we have to cover soldiers drank antifreeze to try to celebrate the end of an FTX. I mean... What's next? There's no limits here on what soldiers will drink or eat to try to get a little buzz out in the field. Armour says the Marines are thought of as the crayon eaters. The Army now chugs antifreeze. A.O. Nixo was just donated $400, and then his stream crashed. A.O. Nixo was donated $400? You know, I am very, very happy and excited that last week I made... I, I got $38 donated to me. I've got four patrons... I am very, I'm, I'm ecstatic. I'm beside myself, happy and excited about that. I am very happy to see my friends out there get $400 in donations. I'm happy to see that. Good for them. That's what I think. I have, I, I want nothing more. I am very happy. I thank you guys for being here. I'm not comparing streams or anything like that. But when I see people get $400, $500 donations, I just think one day I hope I can be so impactful to people in a positive way on this channel that someday one, one might consider something like that for me. It's just that I hope that I can keep providing good information and good entertainment for everybody who watches this show. Bro, that's gnarly. We saved a Marine that siphoned a cleaner that was pH 12 and just destroyed his esophagus, Justin says. Why do people do this? Was he like doing that on a dare? Was he a major alcoholic? What is the deal? I've heard of people, you know, drinking hand sanitizer, trying to get a buzz when they're just such severe alcoholics. But how, how you know, how much, how bad do you have to want it that you'll literally kill yourself in a horrible, painful way, chugging substances to try to get a little bit of a buzz. That's sad. That's sad to hear. Now, a story came across my email um, this morning and I opened it up and I have not covered this on the show before and I kind of have not heard of it, I don't think. 
Uh, Amir says, do you have a membership subscription on your channel? I have uh, links in the description down below, Amir, for Patreon, if you want to become a patron. And I have links in the description for a donation, which is through Streamlabs. Uh, and those are my two things that I have down there. Um, my channel's not monetized yet on YouTube. We got to hit that 1,000 subscriber mark to try to get that going and unlock some of those new features. 1,000, 10,000, all those big subscriber milestones unlock new features. One day I'll be able to give updates straight into YouTube, wherever you guys find my channel at. I'm excited for that day to come. I believe, you know, if we keep the press on, if we keep doing a good job, keep improving the channel, do more stuff, uh, that day will come. It just takes patience and hard work. So, look, I saw this, uh, I saw this, and I just was like so bothered by it. I was so bothered by this story and I wanted to bring it up and, and share it with you guys because it's so sad. It's so freaking sad and upsetting. This is the article that came across my desk. Sentencing delayed for fired VA staffer who killed seven. And then I looked up some more information here from the Washington Post. They have a good article on what happened. She's a veteran who killed seven other veterans at a West Virginia hospital and their families want to know why. And they're still looking for answers. To her neighbor in the quiet leafy hollow where Retta Myers returned after her overnight shift at the Veterans Affairs Hospital nearby, May seemed like the kind of person you'd want living next door. She was friendly, waved hello, and let Tina Hickman walk her dogs on the, her farm. Even after rumors spread that the nursing assistant injected a half dozen veterans with lethal doses of insulin, Hickman struggled to believe that Mays could be responsible. One of the men was Hickman's grandfather, an 84-year-old Army veteran who served in the Korean War. Now, a week after Hickman watched on Zoom as Mays wept in federal court confessing to the crime, she is angry and wonders what made her do it. I kind of didn't believe it because I talked to her all the time. I would like to know why. Mays, 46, a veteran of the Iraq War, pled guilty last week to seven counts of second-degree murder and one count of assault with the intent to commit an eighth murder. But if families of the victims hoped Mays' plea would bring them certainty, that remains elusive. Why Mays injected the elderly veterans with a deadly dose of insulin in the span of nearly a year, leading to their deaths from severe hypoglycemia or low blood sugar remains an unanswered question. Look, let me just say one thing about the VA really quick before we continue on here. The VA hospital, hit me up in the chat if you've been to the VA hospital. The VA hospitals that I've been to are full of veterans just hanging out. There are veterans who go to the VA hospital and they just hang out. They talk to other veterans. There's veterans who sit as volunteers in the front and help people figure out where they need to go. There's veterans escorting other veterans around. This is like a safe place. This is like a social safe place where veterans feel like they can go 30, 40, 50 years after the military service ends and they can still bond and reunite and hang out and volunteer and get and get good medical care. Get at least people putting their best foot forward to take care of them. It's their, it's their health insurance. It's just like anybody else with health insurance going to any other hospital. You expect to get the care. Why do we have to cover so many stories about VA negligence and VA hospital workers murdering people? This isn't even the first story this year. This isn't even the first one this year. There were stories of VA hospital workers laughing as someone died, VA hospital workers sabotaging COVID vaccines. What is going on? How do these people get into the VA system and then commit these heinous crimes? This person, one of the worst I've ever covered on this show. This is so freaking upsetting. Before working at the VA hospital in Clarksburg, Mays held several low-paying jobs as a jail guard and caregiver and had a troubled family life with a husband in prison as a sex offender, but she was more savvy than she led on to hospital colleagues, appearing to be eager to please while constructing an elaborate scheme to kill that eluded hospital officials for almost a year. So 
She provided a clue at her plea hearing, telling the judge she was taking medication for PTSD. Prosecutors expect her defense team to argue at sentencing that either the trauma in her background or her PTSD led her to carry out the murders. We ha- this is another reason. Let's say that this is true. Let's say that this is the reason. It's another reason why I advocate that we need to create a better environment where people can self-report. People should be able to self-report mental health issues without fear of reprisal, without fear of persecution, losing her job, not getting the help to the care for, getting mocked because people hide this stuff. They feel like they have to hide it. Uh, that might not even be true. She might just be crazy and horrible. May's attorneys declined to comment. One of them, David Hoos, is a Massachusetts criminal defense lawyer who represented a nurse convicted 20 years ago of injecting four men with lethal dose of epinephrine at another VA hospital. Unreal. Of all the deaths, the killing of Hickman's grandfather, Archie Edgel, Edgel, seems particularly cruel in that Mays apparently tried to kill him twice. In March 2018, Edgel arrived at the VA for an examination that would determine whether he should move from a nursing home for dementia. Sometime during her rounds on the graveyard shift, Mays injected Edgel with enough insulin to cause his glucose levels to plummet, according to Mays' plea agreement. Then the next night, the plea agreement said Mays injected Edgel a second time, causing the same reaction, but this time, just days after walking into the hospital, Edgel died. An autopsy later found four injection sites on his body. Whether her motive, Mays watched, whatever her motive, Mays watched the veterans after she gave them insulin and sat by their bedsides as their organs shut down. And an investigator who, like others, interviewed for this report spoke on anonymity because they were not authorized to speak publicly. The deaths were drawn out over a period of several hours to a few weeks. When, when doctors arrived, Mays would often linger in the room as they tried to counteract the drug's effects and save this person's life. She would listen in to conversations with family members. Hickman wonders whether her grandmother saw the signs. Frances Edgel, Archie's wife of 62 years, hardly left his side at the hospital. She permitted authorities to exhume her husband's body, but she died a few months later of what the family is certain was a broken heart. Oh. School announcements. So, so Mays was deployed to Iraq. She attended Glenville State College in West Virginia from 1993 to 1994 and majored in accounting. She joined the Army shortly after 9-11. She deployed to Iraq in 2003. One of her co-workers in the army, one of her battle buddies said she was a great soldier, no problems, never had any issues with her. She was doing good stuff. He described this as, if this is true, which she's pled to, that this was a Jekyll and Hyde case, if he'd ever seen one, he says. Mays worked as a correctional officer in North Central Regional Jail from 2005 to 2012. She was named in 2013 lawsuit in which an inmate accused her and other correctional officers of abuse. The inmate claimed that Mays helped to restrain him and kicked him before another guard stomped his head. When he awoke, the lawsuit continues. Mays bent over him, spit in his face, and said, how do you like that, mother effer? And you ain't that tough now, are you? You know, I didn't even ever do anything like that when I was working with terrorists in in Afghanistan doing detainee ops. Before she was hired by the VA in 2015, Mays worked for Rest Care, a group home for adults with disabilities, where she rose in three years from entry-level caregiver to residential manager. She supervised 15 employees. The company had no complaints from her in that time. The Louis A. Johnson VA Medical Center is one of the biggest employers in Clarksburg. 15,000 employees, about four hours west of Washington. In the early part of the 20th century, immigrants were drawn to the town and its environment for work in the coals and gas industry. Glass industry, I'm sorry. Now people come for jobs as an, at an FBI center and in hospitals. Griever members were seeing Mays working at the hospital wearing a blue and gold vest, shuttling patients from one part of the hospital to another. It's an honor for a veteran to get hired there. 
on the job at the Veterans Affairs, taking patients' vital signs and glucose levels, and in other caregiving tasks, Mays was eager to please, said the healthcare worker who worked with her. She absolutely fooled me. I looked at her and thought she wants to be a go-getter. She was helpful and involved. How crazy is this? Somebody can be like that one way, and, and they're killing patients later that day. Same day. This is insane. But what's happening now is her, her, her sentencing is getting delayed. It'll now be May 11th to 12th. I'll put it in my calendar to cover this. It was going to be in two weeks. She's going to get life in prison, I'm sure, because just of her age. Even if she doesn't get life, she'll get life you know, by default. But every death that she caused is punishable by life. This is horrible and cruel, Rachel. And frankly, unthinkable that somebody could do this. And I wish I could say it was even the first time we've had to cover something like that, but it's not. So that's the last story for today. I hate to leave it on something like that, but I just wanted you guys to know that. I was so taken, I was so shook by that. I wanted to make it a big story today. I wanted to make sure I had enough time for it. All right, guys, Monday here in Okinawa. We've got a big week ahead of us. I've got a guest coming on this week. I believe, I'm pretty sure we're going to have a live guest in the studio, at least one. We're going to be having a lot more of those coming up soon. Uh, that's part of, you know, the revamp of the studio is to make more of that possible. So I hope you guys are excited. We've got new segments coming out, hopefully also starting this week, which is going to be cool. Well, I'm going to try to give you guys some good news now, Justin. Sorry, I, I know I'm going to end it like that. I will follow up on the sentencing, but I just wanted you guys to know about that story. I normally try to end it on a positive note. And a positive note is this, that in the coming days and weeks, we've got brand new, really funny stuff coming out. I'm going to switch gears completely now. Is that, that's, is that too hard of a switch, too hard of a transition? I need to work on my segues, I guess. So we've got some cool stuff coming up. We've got interviews with people. We've got segments like Navy trivia coming up. I'm hopefully going to be doing some on-location stuff coming up soon, as soon as that's possible with COVID. I'm going to be bringing in people to talk about their jobs. I'm going to be covering all, all the news stories like I always do. I appreciate you guys tuning in to the first episode with the new studio. Seems to be going all right. I mean, I'm looking at my new setup here, and I'm extremely happy with it. Like, I love it. I love my new setup, by the way. It is totally awesome. And I'm excited to be doing more episodes with it. So stay tuned for more content, bonus content, more narrated videos coming out that are not just part of the live stream. Stay tuned for that. Skits are coming. Skits are coming soon. Just trying to put together the logistics on that a little bit, but we've got skits written that are coming. Got some fun stuff there. Maybe I'll give a little sneak preview on the Patreon coming up soon as to what that's going to entail, but I'm really excited about it. I'm really, really excited about it. So... Justin, Rachel, thank you for being patrons. Thank you for tuning in. Everybody who tuned into the video today, Armor, Syphy, Natalia, uh, Earl, you know, Regal, every, the usual suspects and some new visitors. Thank you for being here today. Christian, everybody, everybody who was here, thank you very much. I do appreciate it. Um, and I and I thank you, Rachel, for everything, that you, all your support. I am going to keep trying to make it great for you. With that being said, that's it for today's episode, first day. Oh, by the way, one more thing. And I meant to say this in the beginning. You might have noticed that the title of this episode was a little bit different. I've been labeling every episode with the date that it comes out, but the podcast is E1, E2, E3, E4. Today is episode 105 going up on the podcast. So I'm going to switch the YouTube channel to match the podcast. I'm going to stop calling it by date, and I'm going to call it just E105. Tomorrow will be E106. The date's been confusing for people because... I'm out here in Okinawa. They're back in the States. So it depends on where you're watching it. Let me know if that's confusing for you guys. I'm open to suggestions and all that. Always, I love listener suggestions, making it, you know, exactly the best way it can be for you guys. So tomorrow will be E106, and I'm going to go with that naming convention from now on. So that's it. So with that being said, thank you guys for tuning in. I look forward to talking to you very soon. 
and I'm out for now.